online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. A view from the vineyard with Charlotte Christensen and Virgin Wines. Because life's too short for boring wine. I actually have paper um, when I was like nine years old that we have to write in school. What do you want to become when you're older? <laughs> so while all the other little boys wanted to be a firefighter and a policeman and a doctor, I think ever since I've, yeah, forever I can remember and definitely from um, nine years old, I wanted to be a winemaker. So I think it was a path chosen for me and yeah, I'm 15 years now, well, not work for a day for 15 years now and just living out my passion. Here at Virgin Wines, we believe that life's too short for boring wine, which is why we search the world for the most exciting independent winemakers and use thousands of our customer ratings to shape our range of premium quality exclusive wines. Head to virginwines.co.uk and start your wine journey with us today. Handpicked by us, loved by you. Today I am joined by J.D. Russo, winemaker at Wilderberg Farm based in Franschhoek, South Africa. From before J.D. could even say the word bottle, he lived and breathed wine. While his mother was pregnant, she helped with pressings and punch downs in their family winery. And J.D. spent much of his childhood helping his father in their Pearl winery. J.D. went on to study winemaking at Stellenbosch University and has been making wine for the past 15 years. I'm really looking forward to finding out more from JD about what it was like growing up around wine, his passion for winemaking and the South African wine industry. Welcome JD, it's so nice to have you here with us today. How are you doing? Good Charlotte, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about all things wine, growing up with wine and winemaking as your life. I love how you've always been around wine and that your your mother was pregnant and was helping make wine at the time. So, you know, even before you came into this, this side of the world, uh, it seems that wine's always been around you. Um, but I wanted to kick off and ask, as a young child, what was your sort of earliest or most distinct memory of being around wine? Well, if I think back now, um, I can remember, well, say I was five years, six years old, um, and then we were always playing in the winery when it was empty, say, end of the, in, end of the year. And there was always this smell of onions that they, my father and my uncle was drying for some reason on top of the, uh, the cement tanks that they used in harvest time. So every time I think back on what, um, where my whole wine making career started, it's when I was five years old, but for some reason this smell of onions always comes to mind and it just brings back home and this fuzzy feeling that um, with, we are, where this whole journey started off with. It must have been quite an adventure playing in the winery uh, as a young child, but probably quite a few things that are, are dangerous in a winery as well. No, it is. But like, like I said, um, what you have to remember is back in the days when um, when we say winery, it was more uh, KWV um, was the big uh, co-op in South Africa or in the coastal region. So all the farms, like my father's farm, they made uh, the wine in harvest time and then the trucks will come and then load the wine for the big bigger blends later on in the year. So only a few months in the year the winery would be full of wine and then the rest of the year there will be nothing. So it was the perfect place to play hide and seek and cricket or some stuff like that. So <laughs> so I think from June till uh, harvest time it was definitely where we spend most of our time, free time playing around here. 
quite a fun playground then for for a group of uh, young children. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Do you remember the first sip of wine you tried with your family? Sure. Um, yeah. Usually, what we do is uh, we're quite big on Sunday barbecues or bry as we call it in South Africa. And if it's like Father's Day or somebody's birthday, I can remember my mother had like small wine glasses. Um, so if you are, can't remember what age. Well, I think from six maybe and that she will pour you like a little small sip of the white wine just to cheers and just to to be part of the festivities I can't remember if it was any good but I can definitely remember that first sour acidic taste in my mouth um, but yeah so hopefully I grew, grew from there on and 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 now today oh, uh, wine is my life so I definitely agree with you about that that first <laughs> taste of, of wine being quite difficult um, it's definitely quite a challenging drink when you're when you're young I, I remember when I first started to to drink wine similarly my um, parents used to give me like a tight you know a, a thimble pour at uh, Sunday lunch and I was just so sensitive to the taste from like oak or tannins and, and acidity as well it was um yeah. yeah definitely quite hard to drink I think the first wines I started to enjoy were probably sparkling wines with that like little bit of extra sweetness I think makes them a bit more approachable so you told me you first had a sip of wine when you were quite young but do you remember when you started to enjoy drinking wine and do you have a particular memorable bottle that sort of made you fall in love with wine um I don't think a exact bottle but but I think in university, um, so obviously, well, while you grow up in school, you, you not steal, you borrow <laughs> the odd bottle of wine from your parents and to drink with your friends. But um, in, in um, university, when we started um, learning more about the world of wines, um, and I was quite intrigued with uh, France. Um, and especially Loire and, and the Rhone Valley. But um, then in, and in South Africa, you don't get a lot of um, overseas wines um, so it was actually not so long ago it was in two, 2017 when I was privileged to um, actually go to France for the first time and tour from Bordeaux the Loire and um, down um, Burgundy in the Rhone that actually was a big call it eye-opener and new energy into my winemaking career and just to actually be in the places where that I've read a, millions of books of and I've tasted all the wines but just to stand there in the caves at in in the Loire and just to taste that Chenin Blanc and come back to South Africa and say well this use that old tradition of French winemaking with a bit, little bit of South African flair and to produce the wines that we produce today at Wilderberg. So I think not a spe yeah, so to get back to your question, I th don't think it was a specific bottle of wine. I think definitely that uh, tour, uh, like I said, not long ago, it's 2017, that really um, opened my eyes to so much more um, in, in, in the world of winemaking yeah. and it must have been so interesting going to france because a lot of the kind of signature grapes that are grown in south africa and and some of the grapes that you make wines from a lot of them come from or their spiritual home is is in france so it must have been very interesting seeing the chenin blancs in the loire and then thinking about them and comparing them to to how you work with chenin blanc but and also the winemaking, um, like I said, not a lot, lot of people are privileged to taste with these French winemakers and and go into the barrel cellars with them and taste why this this barrel tastes like that and the te techniques that um, 
they use. Obviously, the terroir is different, um, but sometimes that technique works in your terroir or halfway around the world. So, no, I think it was it was it is, is great, and I think that was the cornerstone that all the Wilderberg wines that we can talk later of um, was built on. And yeah, big big moment for me in my winemaking career. Did you take any of your wines over to taste with the French winemakers? We actually sent them um, our wines. When we got back, we sent them because it was an expo, so luggage was an uh, issue. So when we came <laughs> yeah. back, we, we sent we send them two bottles and just to say thank you for, for that. But yeah, so, so I think yeah, exchanging knowledge, it's, it's, it's a good thing. And it's, an, it, and it's a nice thing about our industry. It's, you're never too old to learn more about wine and or vineyards and and the and winemaking so yeah you clearly have a real passion for what you do how did you know that you wanted to work in wine and did you decide this kind of over many years and were there any other career paths you considered before before you had your calling for wine well i actually have a paper um, when i was what nine years old that we have to write in school. What do you want to become when you're older? <laughs> so mm. while all the other little boys wanted to be a firefighter and a policeman and a doctor, I think ever since I've, yeah, forever I can remember, and definitely from from um, nine years old, I wanted to be a winemaker. So I think it was a path chosen for me. And yeah, I'm 15 years now doing well, not work for a day for 15 years now and just living out my passion. So I'm quite privileged. That, um, that is amazing this, yeah. at such a young age that you had that calling for it. What, what do you think your nine-year-old self saw in the, in the career of being a winemaker that was, that was so appealing? Was it sort of working with the land or the creativity of it? Or what do you think kind of guided you there? Well, I, I, if I think back now, I think it's a combination between all of that because I like to be creative. I like to do um, it's tangible so I like to this uh, for me the it's the best thing is to give a bottle to my wife or to my family a new one that we made and say try this just to see their faces um, light up or yeah well hopefully all um, <laughs> and so because and then also um, I love nature I love being outside um, we do a lot of camping hiking um, stuff like that so it's literally a combination of all the things I love and all the things I have a passion for wine into one yeah i love that yeah. side you say about the, the the sharing it you know with your family and with people and, and, and waiting for that look on their face and you know it being um a project that you've made i think that sounds beautiful well i think that's everything that's everything so we can work for a whole year 20 well 12 months in the vineyards and then in the winery but the end of the day is wine is something that we need to drink and enjoy and um, on your own sometimes but usually with friends and family so I think that's the most important thing. So you studied wine at Stellenbosch University, which has a wonderful international um, reputation. Can you tell me a bit more about your um, experience there? What did studying wine sort of encompass? Well, um, studying wine at University of Stellenbosch, you do everything 200%. So you party 200%, you, <laughs> you study 200%. No, I'm joking. I think it was an amazing four years of my life. Um, the friends uh, I still have today, um, colleagues, uh, the winemakers we've met there. Um, so I know, so we definitely, um, we did a lot of tastings. Um, we did a lot of studying, study groups, um, like soil science helped each other out. Sometimes it's not the easiest, um, but it was, a, it was a great time. And I think still today, um, if, I, if I need to ask somebody or do you have, do you know where I can get this amazing 
block off Vedello for some reason and I can pick up the phone and there's like 20 people there I can immediately phone and they will definitely help me. So I think the, the contacts and the friends we made, uh, I made on um, at university is today for me the biggest uh, plus yeah, in my career. Yeah. It sounds um, more fun than, than my course, but yes, it definitely sounds like 200%. <laughs> so was it quite practical as well as learning about wine you know, from books and stuff? Did you do quite a lot of practical exercises? Yes, yeah, both. So, um, But it is a lot of book. So usually we do in the mornings, it's, it's like book, but also it's a four-year course. So it's a degree. So sometimes, especially the first two years, you study with um, people that want to get into becoming a doctor or a microbiologist or stuff like that. And then after two years, you're starting to focus more on winemaking and viticulture. And then in the afternoons, you usually have your practical. There's like a little small winery there where you do like ferments in, what's it, a 300 or 5 litre, sorry, 5 litre bottle glass bottle and then you start learning about yeast and um, actually tasting your wines I remember um, the first wine I made the city was way too high but how proud mm. we were um, going out at night and then coming back and then we had, we'll sip on this uh, <laughs> acidic wine um, late at night no so we had fun so we, we had yeah, the, the, so there's like it's a balance between practical and book work yeah. and does it have quite an international so quite a few international students or, or more students based from South Africa? It's mostly mostly based from South Africa, but I know these days it is becoming this more international students, especially students that's working on their um, PhDs and the doctor um, degrees. They will come over and then they will work with the, um, the, the South African students on whatever, say yeast cultivars or different varietals in different um, areas or whatever the case may be so it's definitely becoming more and more um, international i know the classes are also smaller when i studied we were i think 67 that studied winemaker i think but back then everybody thought winemaker is somebody who sits on a porch and sip champagne um, the whole day and then very quickly they realize it's not all about that it's more about it's more actually more cleaning the winery than anything else but um, so there are so there's not as much people um, studying winemaking but it's that combination between local and, and international students yes. online on smart speakers and on listen again this is food fm a view from the vineyard with charlotte christensen and virgin wines because life's too short for boring wine. I'd like to now delve in and find out a bit more about the Wilderberg farm. Firstly, why do you call it a farm? And can you also tell me what the setting is like there, what the terroir is like? And and are you actually living there? Are you based on the farm? I think, Joe, just to tell, just to go back when we bought the farm about six years ago, there was nothing on the farm. So for the, what's the South African industry, the wine industry is about 370 years almost now so for 370 years nobody took a chance to plant uh, vines on that farm 2015 we bought the farm and he said right we're going to plant uh, the first vineyard on this farm the reason why we call it a farm is the word estate is for us a bit claustrophobic we don't only make harvest grapes from the farm we go out into the greater um, coastal region and we try to express this amazing old vine 
um, vineyards that we work with or specific vineyards that we fall in love with over the last, say, 15 to 25 years and trying to express that vineyard. Um, so really all our winemaking and our philosophy, um, winemaking philosophy is also um, is trying to express place. Um, that sense of place. So the farm itself is 144 hectares, but it's literally a piece of a mountain. It's on the mid slabs of the Franschhoek um, mountain. So we will only be planting 10 hectares in the next three years. So that's it. The, the rest of the mountain we will leave as it is with um, the Feinbos, um plants there. We're actually starting building a, our own winery this year. So be very in the beginning of our journey um, at the moment. And then, yeah, like I said, then we go out. Um, we work with Semilon that was planted in 1905. We work with Shenins um, from 1973. We work with Petit Ciro. So, so yeah, so we really go out and um, to find this amazing vineyards and bring them back to Wilderberg to make wine. It must be um, really interesting to work with like the, the grapes that are grown in the, the coastal areas versus where you are, really quite different terroir and, and showing the grapes very differently. Um, I had a look on your, your website this morning and um, Wilderberg looks amazing. Like The landscape is so dramatic. The scenery is, yeah, absolutely breathtaking. Um, yeah, so yeah. you produce a, a range of wines then. Can you kind of summarise the, the range of wines you have? Yeah, so, um, so we've got two wines, Wilderberg wine, White of Wilderberg Red. Um, those two is the best white and red wine that we can make each year from Franschhoek Valley. Um, so currently the white is, like I said, an old vine, um, Semillon, planted in 1905. And then the red is um, a Syrah with 15% Cabernet Franc. And then we've got our terroir range, which is Paul Shenin and uh, Stellenbosch Sauvignon Blanc. So that's two wines from outside, uh, villages from outside of Franschhoek. So Paul being about 30 kilometers from Franschhoek, so that's actually where I live. Um, so I, yeah, the earlier question, I don't live on the farm, so I live about 30 kilometers um, from the farm in, the, in a town called Paul. And then um, 30 kilometers then from Franschhoek in the other direction towards Cape Town is a village called Stellenbosch. So that's where our Sauvignon is from. And I think it's important also now to say, when we started off with um, Wilderberg, we said um, we will definitely not only produce something um, that sells. So we really need to fall in love with the vineyard. And this, especially the Sauvignon Blanc, if you asked me five years ago if we we're going to make a Sauvignon Blanc, I said, well, I would say no, definitely not. But this Sauvignon Blanc is quite special. It's a 550 meters above sea level. It's where the vineyard stops in that area. It's called the Banuk area of Stellenbosch. Then there's like forest and it's the little patch on top of the mountain. So when you stand in this vineyard, you can actually see Table Mountain in the far. So it's quite a special place. And it's these type of vineyards that we work with um, to make the Wilderberg wines. Then we also have call it a range that's called Cottery. So our Cottery is um, we've got a Carbonate Franc Malbec and then we've got a Semillon Sauvignon and then a Chenin Grenache Blanc and this year we're also um, bringing out a barrel fermented Senso Rosé um, which we are quite excited uh, about. And then lastly but not uh, the least, or how do you say that, is our <laughs> Wild House range. So that's um, sitting on the couch uh, watching England play Germany again, highlights, <laughs> and just have a nice glass of uh, Shiraz. Um, currently we have a Shiraz, uh, Shenan, and um, 
this year we also will bring out uh, Grenache Rosé. So, um, the, yeah, and, and then on the side we've got uh, MCC. What we do is small quantities. We make about 3,000 bottles every three years. So it's tiny amounts, which is a blanc to blanc. So it's 100% Chardonnay. And uh, yeah, all our wines are naturally fermented. So we're trying not to intervene too much in, 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 into the winemaking um, process. Yeah, I think that's that's all our wines. Quite a range you have there. You must be very, very busy. Um, you touched on there that you have more of a natural approach to winemaking. And, and I, I've been reading, I know that minimal intervention is important to you. Could, could you tell me a little bit more about this and how you feel, you know, through your studying and through your work, how it contributes to, to how the wines taste? Well, we call it lazy winemaking, to be honest. Um, we rather spend an hour or two or a day or two in the vineyard than in the winery. Because we spend all this time in the vineyards and and finding this amazing vineyards, taking the grapes, uh, the fruit back to the winery and, and then just adding a lot of yeast or a lot of acidic assets and, and stuff in the winery um, just takes away the sense of place that we were, we were talking about earlier. So we really want a hands-off approach and like I said, we do all the work in the in the vineyards and, and when it's time for harvest, it's like your, your kids getting out of high school and say, okay guys, up to you now and then we just to put it in barrel and then it naturally ferments there. So um, I think the biggest compliment anybody can give us as a winemaking team is um, if you if you taste that sense of place, if you taste that Wildeberg, um, say Wildeberg white and say, wow, this is actually exactly uh, a French hook semillon from that vineyard um, tastes like um, or Paul Shannon. Because otherwise, if you just panel beat all your wines into what you think a Shannon needs to taste like or you think... Uh, Shiraz needs to taste like. At the end of the day, all your wines start tasting the same, and then you can just rather make one big blend, according to me. So, so we're really um, trying to, to to keep off hands-off approach on on, on the winemaking side. I love how you want to retain that uniqueness to the wines depending on their sites. I think there's, there's something really beautiful about that. Now, there's a question yes. I was going to ask you, um, but yes. I think I think you may have already answered it. So obviously, when you're working in wine and you're working in the vineyard and in the winery, there's lots of physical and technical aspects to it. And I was going to ask you what you found more challenging, working in the vineyard or in the winery. But it sounds like it's probably the vineyard because that's that's where... The, the fruit really comes from and making that effort at the beginning and you know understanding the land you have is is possibly the most challenging but definitely no no that's definitely i think um you know getting it right in the vineyards and working say what's it nine months of the 12th it's vineyard work um and getting it right in the vineyard is it can become quite stressful and and it is physical and it's hard work and you must remember it can get up to 40 42 degrees celsius in south africa at the end of just before harvest so it's quite um in the sun the whole day and then this time of year it's quite cold when pruning starts but like i said we put in the hours we put in the hard work that nine months so when harvest comes it's a fun time for us it's just stirring the the juice the wine in, um, into the barrel and then it needs to do what it needs to do on its own so yeah so it's definitely vineyard um, for me where are you up to right now in in the growing season so we will start in the next say two weeks we will start slowly pruning um, in French Hook we are quite late so in the area in French Hook where we are situated it's quite cold um, so we are a bit lighter than, than the rest um, so we usually start with the Paul Shannon 
and then we work our way Stellenbosch and then we end um, on Wilderberg um, on the farm itself um, with the 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 cedar and the petty cedar um, lost so yeah so we will start pruning now and getting everything ready for the new harvest what is that your favorite time of year or what what is your favorite time of year no um, i would say for work 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 wise yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) not just christmas or easter (laughs) yeah december holiday at the sea (laughs) swimming in the ocean no no, i would say um september for us is springtime so um that's where um, budding starts and all this new almost fluorescent green starts um, appearing in the vineyard. Um, for me, that's the for m- most exciting time because, as you know, we're not making Coca-Cola or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's a product that you only can make, you've got one chance a year to make it. And when September or when spring comes, um, that's actually the beginning of the, the new vintage. Um, so it's exciting. Then the old vintage is in barrel, it's fermented. Some has already been bottled or blended. Start from scratch and, and you've got your white paper and, 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 and you need to start drawing again all over. Because as you know, not one vintage is the same. And you always try to push yourself further and further to make better wine. So yeah, so I, th- I would say spring is the most exci- exciting time for me in the vineyard. It sounds like a stunning time of year as well. That green fluorescent yeah. <laughs> grass all over the place. Um, I wanted to ask you if many of your friends from uni are still working on wine. Do you do you go and visit each other's um, wineries? And you know, generally, do you find that there's a lot of camaraderie amongst wine producers in South Africa? Yes, I think definitely there's a big camaraderie, big English word, um, <laughs> between us. I think, yeah, like I said, you're never too old to learn. So um, in Franschik itself, uh, we are about 15 young winemakers that got uh, our tasting group. So we will meet once a month. We only taste in international wines and then we will just talk through it. What for us think can work um, in our wineries. And also then we've, um, like my friends, especially the uni friends is they come to me, they will taste the barrels and say, this Cooper's, um, does it work for you with Franchu grapes? No, and, and you just talk through it. And, and I think we've paid enough uh, school fees over the, over, uh, the years um, in our careers and in university. So if we can, can, and can ask a friend um, that you trust and, and, and say, listen, do you think this works? Or just come over and just taste this for me. Um, what do you think about that? So yeah, no, so this is, uh, we definitely um, help each other in, in, that, um, in that sense. And does it usually go from being quite studious and sitting around to being um, quite a fun, busy session, maybe with a braai, everyone opening a few bottles? Yeah, no, we are very laid back. So no, usually it, it ends up with a braai and, <laughs> and a couple of bottles on the patio um, overlooking the, the vineyard. So no, no, it's not a, I think it's a, at the end of the day, it's, it's a opinion. I think um, that's the cool thing about the wine industry as well. It's uh, even the wine critics or everybody, it's it's an opinion um, from one, one person. So if you pour all your energy into a wine and you love the wine and say Mr. X or Mr. Y um, feels different, that's fine. It's an opinion that they have. And that's exactly what we do if, if we ask a friend or call a friend, as you, as you call it. If they say, well, they prefer this, this and this, and you go back and you, and you use that knowledge but, um, that they said, um, but you it's still up to you and, and in your wines we call it the golden thread um, if you taste the range say from Wilderberg hopefully there's a golden thread that runs through it and the only thing that the golden thread is is the winemaking team 
and the little bit of the thumb print that they, they, they leave um, on each bottle. I, w- I wanted to say um, I'm very sorry to hear that there's been another alcohol ban in South Africa. Yeah. And it's been very tough for the industry. And I, I encourage any of our listeners to do what they can to support the South African wine industry. Buy some beautiful bottles in your local restaurants, online, uh, or in your local wine shops, um, you know, we, we can only do what we can do at this end. But um, yeah, no, I do encourage us all to to support the industry. Fingers crossed this um, new ban is lifted very soon. But I wanted to end on a more positive note. And despite <laughs> the challenges that the South African wine industry faces, I'd love you to tell me what excites you most about the future of South African wines. Well, I think South Africa, the future of South African wines are bright at the moment and it's super exciting times for us. Um, I think, I wouldn't say it's the new generation winemakers, but there's definitely a very focus on planting what belongs rather than what sells. And if you read the wine magazines um, or listen to wine critics or anything, you can. it's always now South African wines that's um, popping up. It's so exciting and people are experimenting with um, different wine styles, different varietals. So, so no, I think it's a, it's a great time um, being part of the, being part of the um, South African and wine industry, um, and I think we are just pushing the quality barrier higher and higher, and we're competing with the best in the world at the moment. So, so but like you said um, to the listeners, you know, thanks for the support, and I think um, please keep on supporting South African wines. Um, we really appreciate it. And I hope as soon as this pandemic is over or, or more settled, I hope to, to go back to South Africa and, and visit the wine regions again. I went. Um, when I was 18 with my parents and it was before I really had a taste for wine so it'd be amazing <laughs> to go back and and see the scenery and taste the wines and and you know live live and breathe it um, and South Africa have put on some amazing trade wine tastings in London over the, the last couple of years so I really hope we get to see that up and running again very soon but I'd really like to thank you JD for joining me today it's been so interesting and amazing chatting to you and I wish you all the best with Bilderberg and for the future. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's all for us today. Thank you for tuning into A View from a Vineyard. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. A View from the Vineyard with Charlotte Christensen and Virgin Wines. Because... Life's too short for boring wine. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.